0: I went into Roots Cafe the other day and I ran into a friend of mine who I happen to know is clean and sober and he was sitting with his nephew who I also learned is in sobriety and I told him about our podcast Liars, Thieves, Gluttons and Whores and he just loved the title and said oh I want that on a t-shirt and I said well
1: do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction we might oh stories about recovery too Mm, But mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars! And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my! Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my! Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my!
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are on the air with me, Nancy Adair the host of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons and Whores, the podcast that brings you stories from both the dark side and the light side of addiction and recovery. And today is our first co-hosted show of season two with my lovely guest co-host Lori Jones. So Lori,
1: um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, hello, everybody. This is exciting. I've been looking forward to this for a, a while now.
0: So Lori got to preview our most recent show and that interview with Matt Daly. And so we're going to, in season two, kind of jockey back and forth from a show where I'm interviewing someone that has their own story, both professionally or personally, or as in the case with Matt Daly, both around addiction, and then have the following show be a topic shell. And uh, we'll just kind of come off of what was shared in the interview in terms of what Lori and I think are important to you, our audience, our viewers, our listeners. And um, if we hit the mark, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Comment on the shows and, and let us know what else you want to hear about in this whole area of addiction and recovery. So, Lori, what stood out for you with
1: Matt's interview? Oh, good stuff. You know, I feel, I, I feel like this is a conversation. It's almost like one of those um, shows after one of the episodes of, you know, one of these reality shows on Bravo, you know.
0: And that we're talking like, okay,
1: what did we what did we hear? What did we get out of it? Um, yeah, I listened to the interview with Matt Daly, and the and I had so many thoughts, and I had to write some things down. But what I what really is resonating with me at this moment was a phrase about rushing back to your how, higher power. And I was listening to him talk about well, it, in it, I'll give you the context. The context was talking about a twelve step program. And how, in order for that to be effective, you have to come to well, one thing was coming to Jesus, but you have to come to the um, realization that you are powerless over um, whatever your addiction is. So the thought about rushing back to your higher power, what resonated with me is the thought that the the substance. And in my case, alcohol is, was my higher power. And and that's something that I heard in your interview is, you know, and, and, and that really stood out to me is that, okay, because when you're in your addiction and when you're heavily into it, whatever it is that's soothing you and that's um, making you feel normal, that is your higher power at this time. So rather than, and I'll use myself as an example, because that's, that, because that's how it resonated with me is in my uncomfortableness or in whatever mess i may have created because of using alcohol i would rush back to alcohol to soothe me and so when i was thinking about that phrase i mean alcohol was my higher power because that's what that's what i leaned on and and so i you know his story you know to me you know talking about how he came to, to having to get sober and him you know talking about having to rush to his higher power and that being alcohol that's what anyhow without rambling on about it that's what's resonating to me right now. So you know my question to you is, you know what are your thoughts about that particularly like working with folks all these years that you know when you think about God or think about you know who that higher power is, or you're coming to Jesus, it's so difficult because whatever substance it is that you're using, that is your God. That is your higher power in, in that moment.
0: Lori, I have two things to say right away. One is there's no hope of us not rambling because you and I love to. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you shared, I've got like multiple notes now because I want to respond to that and that and that. And uh, the, the other thing is that this is like, a really big topic that the alcohol, the drugs for me with food addiction, those substances were all, yes, they were the higher power. And in fact, I had an early sponsor who said, because I was bucking this whole idea of the, the God thing, just the whole God thing, it, you know, there are two places I was so fucking the God thing, but I was also like the second in line was powerless. I'm not powerless, you know, so I just wrote myself a third note. I want to come back to Oprah Winfrey and powerless (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that was just too hard for me to fathom. And I'm really glad that the combination of alcohol, drugs and food addiction brought me to a place of desperation that I had to ask for help and i had again this early sponsor that said think of your higher power like your substances you know like i'd wake up and the first thing i'd think about was how to get my substance how to you, you know that i literally did worship drugs and alcohol you know that mm-hmm. i did turn to drugs and alcohol whenever there was a problem i actually remember this um woman when I was doing not only therapy in an office, but I would go to people's homes. And I was on my way to a client's home when my car broke down. And you'd think I called AAA, but no, I was looking for where I could get my substance for relief and I canceled the client call, <laughs> you know, the client mm-hmm. meeting. And so really my drugs and alcohol and food were the higher power and she guided me to think about a higher power because the last thing that I would agree to is this come to Jesus, you know, uh, it's like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to become a bonafide Christian in that manner. I, I just had, I mean, that's a lot of, there are a lot of stories around that, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree to that. I couldn't stomach it. And, um, so the thing I want to say before I stop rambling about um, mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey is that I remember her doing an interview. I don't unfortunately remember who she was being interviewed by, but it was someone that had written a, a book about addiction and she was like really not having the powerlessness thing. Cause, she said, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty powerful woman. Now you're you're I'm thinking, yeah, I guess so. You know, like Oprah Winfrey, anybody that goes by first name only, you know, share Oprah. You know, it's like, OK, you you've got power. And um, mm-hmm. and then the interviewee asked her to remember a time when she felt powerless And she recalled when her first movie, which I believe was titled Beloved, came out and was a box office flop. And here's such notoriety and fame and fortune who put a lot of her soul into the making of this movie. And that didn't determine whether it was sold out at the box office or a complete flop. And she was powerless mm. over that. And the interviewer said, yeah, that's it. And what did you do as a result? And she talked about going on a food binge. <laughs> Ooh. And that right. reminds me of what you said is like you rushing back to the actual substance that you think is bringing you comfort or relief. And in fact, it stopped doing that a long time ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just I I had to circle rushing back again because I I just I love that phrase. That sounds like a song to me. It sounds like an album cover. Everything's a, and everyone listening. Everything's an album title to me. If if it's if it's worthy, and I'll circle it. So let me ask you this: Just like when you think about your experience and being able to surrender to your higher power, and we talked about the coming to Jesus. How do you help someone who really isn't willing to go that spiritual road? Well, I
0: I really believe the how to help them is is what we were just describing. Looking at the higher power can be anything, and it doesn't even have to be outside of yourself. Like there are a lot of people that I've I believe I've helped or made the effort to help to believe in. Even a uh, part of them, that's the higher self, like there isn't anyone that reaches out to me for help or, or goes into a 12-step program for help or reaches out in any direction for help that doesn't feel that powerlessness first, right? Yeah. I mean, if they felt really good, they wouldn't be asking for anybody to help them give up the substance that's feeling really good. And it does feel good for a while. Right. Um, it mm-hmm. just at a certain point, sometimes in alcohol literature, they'll talk about the reverse tolerance that it actually is a chemical thing that reverses. But it's chasing after that high when that mm-hmm. chasing after the high doesn't work any longer. People are looking for a solution. And what I'm telling them is what would your higher self want to be doing, you know, and. And I don't even, I shy away from some of the words like prayer, even though I pray a lot myself. Um, and I love a quote that says uh, the people who believe in prayer are the ones who pray. <laughs> <You> know,
1: like,
0: <laughs> people who pray are the people who believe in prayer. And I also use terms like intention, you know, like what is it that you want for yourself? How is it that you want your life to be different? And and I even work with people who start out by saying, I just want to drink socially or I want to drink moderately. I'm like, okay, I'll go there with you and let's see if you can. It's only yeah. that you need to do something different, something else. Sure. And for those people too that aren't, working with me on substance-related issues, there's still this um, asking a power greater than yourself or becoming part of something greater than yourself. Not even Mm -hmm. really the asking, it's feeling that sense of community, that sense of not being alone. Um, Yeah, so. (laughs) I can just go on and on
1: and on. I know. And I, and you know, with that, I, when you were talking about higher power again, I, I circled higher, higher, you know, cause when we, back at the beginning, we were talking about like whatever that substance is being your higher power. And when you think about even the word high, higher, it's like what lifts you, what, what, what is going to take you out of that, um, that state or whatever that is, because, and and this is coming to me because. I mean, let's just face it. It's hard. It's hard. L-I-F-E is hard. Life is life. you know, life is can be difficult for people like me who are control freaks. And when you, when you think that you can control everything, you know, and then coming to that realization that. I absolutely am not in control at all. I'm not in control at all. And I'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me this past week. It's coming to me right now. And I'm going to just share it with you. I think you'll get a kick out of this. So, you know, I have a horse. I have this horse named Dash that I have had for a while now. And, you know, I did something kind of crazy and I bought a horse at my age and decided to start riding her. So, uh, you know, and, and horsemanship in itself is a completely... It's, it's actually separate from riding a horse. Having a horse and riding a horse is completely different than like owning a horse. It's the whole, like, you know, you got to take care of this horse too. Back to um, a ride that I had with Dash this past week reminded me, and and I need these reminders. I, I actually do need my higher power to remind me every now and again, that I'm not in charge that anything can happen. I mean, we know it. We're, we're, you know, we are getting in cars and driving in cars and getting on planes and, and, you know, everything around us. You know, we have no control over what other people do. When you're driving in a car, whether, you know, you could be in an accident or not. I mean, it, it, you know, you have to have a lot of faith every day. Right. So on this particular day, I went out to ride my horse and um, and I've been, you know, working with her. She's a mare. So she's kind of temp- temperamental. And this was actually last Saturday and I was riding and having a great time. And I had shown up and had talked to myself. I actually pray on the way every time I pray for one. I pray because I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I'm sober and that I get to do these kind of things. And even though it scares me to death, I get to, I get to do these things. And I would not have been able to have this type of life had I kept drinking. And so on this particular day, you know, I showed up with my intention on what I was going to do. I'm going to ride this horse. I'm going to bring the energy today. We're having a beautiful ride, and things are going very, very well. And mid-ride, she she Bronked both like front front legs, back legs, everything up off the ground, and and in, in that it was almost like slow motion. I could feel it. She went up, and I went up. And we landed when it was over, whenever, whatever it is that she did was over. I was still in the saddle. And rather than crying or being upset and jumping off because I was scared, I found myself just laughing hysterically. I, I found myself in that moment because I am so not in control of this. I am so not in charge of this. I have to trust I just have to trust that it's going to be safe and that I'm going to be aware and I'm going to be um, fully, full intention and aware of what I'm doing at all times to prevent myself from getting hurt. And so it reminds me really about what a control freak I can be. And, you know, and, you know, you know me pretty well by now and that I always like to understand like the why behind things. And so you know, being a self-proclaimed control freak and realizing that I like I have no control over any of this. I have to have faith and I have to be aware and I have to be smart and I have to live with intention. And the intention is okay, I'm getting up today. I'm not going to drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol and that's it. Just like um you know getting on a horse and just not knowing i mean i have i i believe i know what's going to happen and and it's been okay for a while but then having that moment and realizing like wow and i am going to land this plane because i can ramble and ramble but what i want to say is that i'm connecting it to sobriety because things can fall apart at any moment and you could just find yourself in a situation where and I know that about myself. I could find myself in a situation where, whoa, like, yeah, maybe it would be easier to train. And that was a good reminder to me that I am not in control of this and that I do need a higher power to keep me safe and to keep me sober. And, to, you know, for me to remember, I'm not in control of everything and I can't control every single situation. And so, um, so yeah, that was scary. I really wanted to share that with you.
0: Thank you, Lori. <laughs> You know, when you said I have such a good life being clean and sober, and I was thinking, and the very fact that we're alive, because mm-hmm. if I had kept drinking, I don't think I would be here, never mind all the wonderful aspects of this life that I'm living. And, you know, I've been living a clean and sober life for 42 years. Mm-hmm. And, there are times when it comes into my consciousness that I think, you know, you quit drinking Nancy at 24 years of age, you know, maybe you could drink now, like at an art opening, you know, and they have something that I've never experienced, like a wine spritzer, you know, maybe I could just have one and I'd be fine, you know, or another thing that is, has been invented since I stopped drinking were jello shots. Not that Ugh. I had an art opening exactly, you know, not exactly drinking like a lady jello shots, but I think <laughs> maybe I could experience that. And then I realized that this restoration to sanity brings me to the belief that if I went to an art opening and decided to have a little glass of wine, that the worst thing that could happen is nothing would happen.
1: Mm.
0: Why, Lori? that is my, what I think is the worst thing. Why? Because I would do it again. Yes. Go the next month to the first Friday art walk and decide, oh, it worked last time. And this time maybe I'll have a couple because it was fine. And, you know, normal people, healthy, moderate drinkers will have a couple. (laughs) I'm laughing because I was just talking to a client recently and asking them, what's their idea of moderate drinking? And they opened up and talked about how they tried before to limit, like moderate drinking would be to have mm. a couple of drinks a few nights a week, or they said, or 14 drinks in a month, <laughs> then their mind was like, Okay, so that's two drinks every other day or something. Oh, my I gosh. I love the way that it went down a rabbit hole so quickly. And they said, and if I had more than two on any one night, then I would subtract it from the monthly allotment. And You're like, oh, dear, dear higher power, dear spirit, dear God. They're starting to what a coworker of mine used to say about all of us addicts is that we don't think, we figure, we get no. figuring out what is, what is moderate drinking? Okay, I can do that if I work with this formula and I give myself these boundaries, whoever stuck to the limits. Um, and I, I just loved it. And I also loved thinking in my own mind at the time about with my active food addiction that I, um, I now, in my life today and for the past couple of decades have I don't eat any flour or sugar and I eat three weight and measured meals a day and that's my way of containing. My addiction recovery It's just like not drinking, but with food, mm-hmm. you know, and other substance addictions and things you, you can't necessarily put the plug in the jug and put it away. So mm-hmm. there was this time in my active food addiction when. I decided that I would have bagels, but I would have a half a bagel in the morning with my breakfast. That sounds normal, right? So there was a place down on in the Old Port um, that on Commercial Street that would get, it was like a a nice grocery and they would get an order of bagels twice a week. And I started out, they had the best bagels. So I started out buying a single bagel there And then, you know, cutting it in half and having one one morning and one another morning. And then I went back um, the next week and I ordered, I got two bagels. And then I wanted to make sure that they had the bagels I wanted. So I started ordering bagels once a week. And then I started having a whole bagel or half a bagel in the morning and a half a bagel. And you can see where it's going. I was up to too much twice a week at this store and having bagels at all my meals every day, you know? And I'm like, Oh oh, yeah. Okay.
1: It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Just like that is a lot of work and, and coordinating.
0: And beyond the work, when you find recovery and you're, the obsession is removed, because that's the description of really being obsessed, right? And when that obsession is removed, that I can only um, believe or understand that it is a higher self or a higher power that's able to take that away, that I think, oh, you know, if I was to uh, do that again at the second art opening, and then I decide that well, I really want to try jello shots because they weren't invented before I stopped drinking. And and then I'm off to the races. What really happening with that very first decision is I'm playing Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Because I know that restoration to sanity, that belief that a higher power has removed the obsession means that if I pick that substance up again, it's like having a bullet in one chamber. It wasn't, that chamber that I clicked through when I pulled the trigger at that first, Uh but I know now this life that I have, that I surround myself with wonderful people and great activities. And I feel, you know, like my work is really purposeful. All of it could go in a flash, Uh you know, when I pull that trigger and there is a bullet in that chamber because that's what it is for me to admit my powerlessness over alcohol and and drugs. And oh, there's one more tangent, and I can't stop before I tell you, that Mm -hmm. the whole idea of powerlessness, I want people to know that the first step in AA doesn't read, I admit I'm powerless over alcohol. It reads, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our Mm -hmm. lives had become unmanageable. And I want listeners to hear that's written in the plural past tense. Okay, because all those steps are about empowering us. What I feel my higher power has done is remove this obsession so that i can take the actions on a daily basis to live clean and sober
1: and not obsess and 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 putting all of that time and that effort into you know it's like it it is like roulette but it's like this this puzzle trying to justify you know because i could relate so much when you're talking about even the bagels just about alcohol and the client who was justifying, okay, I'll drink this much, and then that much, and then I'm subtracting. I mean, that's a lot of work. You could do a lot of other things other than that. And I went back to just remembering times where I too was like, justifying, okay, I'll drink wine only on the weekends. You know, and then it's Wednesday. And then, you know, it's been a rough week, I must deserve it. And, and so it was, for me, it was, setting rules for myself that I kept breaking, you know, and always just obsessing on it. Like in the middle of the day, I would be thinking about, Oh, am I going to drink tonight? Am I not going to drink tonight? And it was just that continuous obsession. Am I going to drink? Am I not going to drink? Am I not going to drink? And I mean, deep inside, I knew I wasn't going to drink. I knew it. Like I knew it would happen and I, and that I would. And so, but I still, I, I, I knew that I didn't want to, but again, the, the powerlessness of it and just that obsession. You said something that really like hit me when you said it and because it was great. And I just want to say it again for anyone who's listening, who maybe needs to hear it again. And that is, you said that, okay, maybe you could go to the, the art walk and you could have a glass of wine or you could have a jello shot. Don't recommend it. You're not missing anything. Um, but the worst thing that, that could happen is that nothing happened. Right? Because it's like, Oh, wait a second. All of this, all these years and all of, of, you know, my letting go and, you know, turning this over to a higher power, like, Oh, maybe I didn't have a problem after all. I mean, that's it. And, it made me think about a conversation that I had once. And I think I was probably, I was probably early on um, when I quit drinking, it was sort of early on, maybe in the first maybe six months or so. And I travel a lot and I remember having a conversation with somebody and saying, yeah, I mean, I could drink if I wanted to. It's not like anybody would know. I travel a lot. I could, I could order a drink on a plane. The heck's gonna know. I could go back to my hotel. I could I could I could drink. and no one would know. But I would know. And that really has kept me is that's what's really kept me. I mean, and that's pretty powerful and probably worthy of saying is that because I think it what you said, it's similar. And that is that, but I would know that I drank. It it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not important to me whether or not other people know whether I fell off the wagon or whether or not I drank it, it, it would be the disappointment that I would have in myself because I would be walking around with it and knowing that I drank. And so, um, I think it's good to have outside sources that that are keeping you maybe in the lane that you want to be in, but I think ultimately, in order to um, refrain from whatever it is that you know your vice is, it really comes down to how you feel about it, you know. And and so I want to go back to the Matt Daily interview a little bit because. He was being forced, you know, he, he he had to be sectioned what it was called section 35, which means he needed to be like arrested. He didn't have a choice in the matter because he wasn't there yet. But what I heard as he was talking about, you know, how his life had changed, I think that he came to that as well, that it had to be important to to him. And in his case, I mean, it it became a legal thing and him being in um, jail, a, a bit and then him going into, into therapy. Um, but yeah, I think what you said is really powerful, Nancy, that the, the worst thing that could happen might be that nothing happened at all.
0: And I love what you said too, to me, that in terms of jello shots, I'm not missing out on anything. And I have told people so many times, like there is nothing about alcohol that I miss today. And I haven't missed it in a long, long, long time. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't miss um, being sick. I don't miss being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I Mm -hmm. don't miss the regret, the remorse, the self-hate, the shame.
1: I don't miss any
0: of that today. (laughs) Mm -mm.
1: No, nor do I. No, and, 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 and thank God that you remember and that I remember what that felt like. I well, mean, that's I'm a that's part a of
0: what I do in my work, even though, uh, you know, I'm lucky. I found a profession I get paid well to to be a part of. It's also that it keeps it really green for me. You know, when yeah. I will talk about their efforts to control their drinking, it's like, okay, thanks for that reminder. Because
1: it's mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> a cool story, you know. It's
1: like, I'm sure it does. And if you want it, if you, you know, just on the note of waking up and not feeling good, you know, and, you know, I'm saying this partial would be funny, but it's true, is that there is no greater hangover than a jello shot hangover, just for the record, okay? It's mad. It's record.
0: I mean, this is not... Uh, <laughs> you know, stirring any desire in me for jello shots. For the record, to listeners, I was one of those people. I used to think it was really fortunate until a therapist told me that I could very easily have died from um, alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. I didn't hangovers. I would wake up still drunk the next day. So, in fact, when I drank and I used to drink mostly my main drink was was tequila and it was um, in shots and I would drink 10, 12 tequila shots at a time and I would have to stop drinking for a period of time. I think it was around a half an hour. I can't remember that now before I would feel drunk. Oh, so and those were some of the telltale signs that this therapist put together and said, that's. You know, you're very lucky to be here today. Just that yeah, whole poisoning. So. Um, and I, I also want to put in a plug for our next interview. Um, it's an interview that I've done with uh, Howland Bickerstaff, who is a man I used to work with at the recovery center. And Howland did this great, um, we called them psychoeducational groups, all based on the word for God and how spirits was you know what they called alcohol they called it spirits so like
1: Whoa.
0: we really have come full circle to where we started that you're reminding us in Matt's interview about rushing back to your higher power and laurie I have no doubt that at the very least it'll be the title of a song or lyrics in a song whether or not it becomes the title of your next album how many albums do you have out there now
1: i have seven (laughs) i have seven you know and i always say the seventh is probably the last record and then we have conversations like this and then i you know get ideas and then you know songs happen and then whoops like there's another record it's it's one of those deals
0: happen this is one of those things that, that that's very much about the higher power right I mean let's say yeah. with another um, time when we're talking but it and I always try to put and in my sentences instead of but your songs are part of what I believe is higher power channeling through you you know when lyrics come to you in the middle of the night or upon awakening or just when you're inspired that's in spirit inspired so um why don't you tell our listeners laurie how they can find out about your seven albums or how they can find out about what you've come got coming up next in your artist
1: oh yeah i would love to so if um if you'd like to go to www.lauriejonesmusic.com you can um, you can take a look and uh, we have I have some new music videos that are on my website of some um, some of the singles that I've been releasing from the new record um, so check that out and also I have my upcoming um, gig dates but I'll tell you a little bit about that I am going to be playing at Elements one, one of my favorite places to play music it's in Biddeford um right on Main Street I'm going to be playing there on march 4th that's the saturday um i'm going to be playing with jones trio is what i call it it's actually uh three of us and so looking forward to that that's a stripped down version acoustic um presentation of of my own songs and then on the 18th of march i have a show up in freeport with the Maine songwriters association it's a it's a songwriter showcase i'm really looking forward to that because i love getting together with other songwriters particularly main songwriters and just playing songs together you know that's that that brings me a lot of joy and and so that's a good thing coming up on the 18th of march and then i am going to be live on wmpg which is um a radio station in south portland um University of Southern Maine, and I'm going to be doing a show called Local Motives, and that's on the 22nd of March. And I believe it's live. It's going to be live on the radio. It kind of freaks me out just thinking about that. But anyhow, it'll be a lot of fun. It's on the 22nd, um, and that's WMPG, um, and that's live on the radio. I believe it's from 7 to 8. But if you go to the website, all the details are there. I'm on all the socials, you know, all the things that are required to promote your branded stuff and um so it's at lori jones music on both facebook and instagram and i also have a little youtube channel with all the videos so yeah it's a lot it's a lot so you know you just sometimes i just tell people go on the web and just google lori jones and then you can decide like you want to go to the website you want to go to youtube where do you want to go but anyhow that's what where it's at and um you know, I'm still having a lot of fun with it, Nancy.
0: LoriJonesMusic.com. And yes. please, when you're listening to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, please comment and um, become a subscriber. That's how we can see that the numbers are going up and let us know what's working for you. Because yeah, you the stories that help you live a life as Lori and I are doing, that's clean and sober and second to none. And with that, right on. next time, thank you very much, Laurie.
1: Thank you. It was fun, Nancy. Thank you. Do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction? We might. Oh. Stories about recovery, too? Mm, But mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. my. Are you a fan of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores podcasts? Do you want to support the show and show off your love for LTGW? Look no further than You Can Do Merch Store, brought to you by host and creator Nancy Adair.